cliffcentral.com. Welcome to the Renegade Report. I'm Jonathan. And Ramon is present. So it's a special show. It is a special show and a special day for South Africa because it's about three weeks before the apocalypse, uh, before the point of the destitute come up and rise. Yes, 17 million people, right. uh, 17, a mob of 17 million people. Right, because that's what we think about poor people who don't receive their, their uh, what do you call it? Well, if I, didn't, if I didn't get my salary for the month, I would also be like, seriously, well, I, I, would I might ra- turn to violence. I, I would write an open letter first. Yeah, of course, and, and that's then, what you do. And then phone Reedy. Yeah. <laughs> and then I may write a more strongly worded letter. Yes, yes. And then you would wait for these sort of opinionistas in society to, to, to release their Mail and Guardian and Daily Maverick columns, which yes. would make you feel better. And then I'll wait for the joint sitting of Parliament where Moosey can come up and says, I speak on behalf of the four million unemployed people, including Ramon Kavanek. <laughs> And the housing has broken my bank balance. And then, yes, then we'll carry on. But nevertheless, uh, yes, so the revolution is coming, apparently on April the 1st, which is not ironic at all in our country. Uh, so we'll just make the most of it while we're here. Yeah, and we've made the most of it for a year. That's why it's a special uh, sort of show. We've uh, we've been around for a year now. Uh, started off as a six-week pilot, sort of let's see if this works out, if there's any interest. And now the uh, top show on Cliff Central and one of the top podcasts in the country. In terms of quality or just downloads? Well, well, of course, we know it's always in terms of quality. And, uh, well, download numbers, we just wait for Prime Media to troll us and we, we know our, our download numbers are, are high. So No, indeed. I mean, I think it's been quite a good year. We've spoken to a lot more important people than I expected, to be honest. I think 25% of all our um, guests have PhDs. I did a little calculation the other day. I mean, it's not bad for like two racist, misogynist white guys from the burbs of Joburg. Yeah, you left out privileged. You left out privileged. I thought it was obvious in the burbs of Joburg. Nevertheless, not too bad going, I must be honest. I'm, I'm as surprised as anyone else that it's going so well. Yeah, well, I, I'm not surprised at all. I, I completely thought that this would happen. <laughs> so... What are we going to do? What are we going to do today, other than talking about the imminent collapse of the social welfare system, um, which in, in some ways could be fantastic? I agree. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, it's not. It it won't be fantastic to have um, poor people not uh, getting um, what they have become accustomed to, in in essence, and and need to live because you know if if uh, every month they've been getting a, a stipend because that's what it is. It's not a lot of money. No. Um, if, if they've been getting a certain amount of money, and that's literally how they buy their food, uh, suddenly in April not getting that is, is not a good thing at all. Um, but. In the greater scheme of things, if we could somehow dissolve the welfare state, um, that'd be that'd be great. I don't care too much about the welfare state. I just want to dissolve, dissolve the state. Yes, we in, know. In total, know. Uh, this could be the first uh, the first part of it. <laughs> but nevertheless, so yes, back to our podcast, Jonathan yes, Woods. Our podcast. Well, it's uh, it's obviously interesting stuff going on, which we'll talk about as we go through the show. We're going to reflect on some of the stuff we've done in the past year. And lots of great shows. Of course, as a listener to this show, you know that it's compulsory to download everything all the way back. Um, so you've done that already. Um, but if you haven't yet listened to some of the shows, uh, we might remind you of the ones you haven't yet listened to and of some of the ones you listened to and really enjoyed and maybe you want to give a second listen to. We've discussed lots of stuff. We've had uh, uh, some guests on discussing. We've discussed drugs. We've discussed the free market quite a lot. We discussed libertarianism. We we've discussed uh, the media in yeah. general. We've discussed what else was this? We discussed scenario planning. Yeah, we've, <clears> we've we've done a fortune. I mean, the media as an example. It's been an interesting year for the media. We we had the rise and, and fall of the Daily Pox. Yeah, the fall. Um, Huffington Post hasn't risen yet, so they yeah, can't. Despite they can't a fall. lot of money. Uh, spent on advertising. I mean, they can't fall much further from mm. where they are now, so it's almost a non-entity. It's, it's hard to rise when you have an anchor like Varashni pulling you to the ocean floor. But, but there's there's been a lot of interesting developments and changes, and and we had uh, Gus Silber on the show. Indeed, indeed. Uh, we're going to play a little excerpt 
from yeah, soon. Gr- um, but yeah, for the media last year, I think it, I think it was a quite a bruising bruising year. Maybe not so much in South Africa specifically, but especially in Europe and in the States with Brexit and Trump happening on in the same year, and the media was were completely against the the well the what you call it the results in both. Yeah, and. And, and, it, and it became quite obvious that they were they followed a certain narrative that which they expected to run in a certain way. Right for 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 the coastal elites mostly. But I, I saw a statistic that uh, Trump's approval rating is about forty five percent, which is very low for a new president. Yeah, the media rating is about fifteen percent. Yeah. So and there's uh, there's studies between nine and eleven percent of how many. I know it's an American study, but between nine and eleven percent of Americans actually trust their media. So, um, yeah, obviously uh, you want a free press, but you'd also like that free press to be doing stuff. Well, we don't have a free press here on America. It's, it's a corporate press. There's corporate interests all the way through. Name in, other than Alex Jones, right, and uh, a few smaller. Papers. All, all the big guys are owned by corporations. Yeah, and Alex Jones is insane. Yeah, well, the interdimensional alien beings that will <laughs> suck out your brain and the fluoride's making the frogs gay. Alex yeah, Jones. I, you know, it's unbelievable that even without fluoride, he just pulls off his shirt at any opportunity. You know, it's amazing what he would do with fluoride. But I mean, back to media, I mean, I think it's important to say people say, yeah, we have a free press. We don't. We have a corporate press. Nuspers owns how many papers? Um, and that other independent media group, uh, very by, independent. Yeah, the, the, by a survey. You know, a survey. What's his name? Iqbal survey. I, Iqbal. Doctor Iqbal survey. Excuse us. He, he, that's a great villain name. I must be honest. The next James Bond should be. He should be the villain. <laughs> but we don't have a free press. Uh, arguably, this Cliff Central, this podcast, the blogs are far more free than the media. I mean, I worked in a commercial radio station for a week a few weeks back, and I wasn't allowed to say much. At all. Yeah. Yeah, well, um, and that's exactly why consumption is quite important. So let's just listen to what Gus has to say about this. Well, look, I think, we've, I think we're very lucky. I think we've got a vigorously free press. It really is vigorous. Absolutely. And it's a fighting press as well. Um, it fights to make its opinions heard. It fights against government interference. It's one of the great things about South Africa is its free press. Uh, I think people who don't broaden their horizons and who don't consume multiple media are actually letting themselves down. So if you want to just read one paper a day or listen to one radio station, that's entirely your right. But if you are doing it, you're missing out on a multiplicity of opinions, some of which will drive you crazy and some of which will make you very angry. But I think it's your duty as a citizen of this constitutional democracy to massively be a promiscuous consumer of media. Otherwise, otherwise, yeah, you're letting yourself down. Yeah, so Gus there uh, espousing on why you should be promiscuous in your consumption of media, and it goes back to what you're saying, which is if you really just follow one sort of what you would call what corporate media. Well, even one narrative, right? I mean, the Sunday Times, City Press, and all them are so-called rivals, but they can also all push one narrative towards you. So it's important to read, um, I don't know, maybe okay, maybe not, what's his name, Donny, Ru- no, what's his name, Dan Roots, um he has an online newspaper. Yeah. Maybe don't read. Maybe not that. Yeah. But uh, independent work is quite important too. Yeah, you could you could put like that paper in with like the Daily Vox and just say, look, I don't read things that are like fringe and like crazy on either side. I read the Daily Vox. Oh, sorry, well, Daily Vox. Sorry, Fro- Freudian slip there. But nevertheless, uh, yeah. So read as much as possible and sneer at it all. Actually, to be honest with you. Nevertheless, so I mean, our first show, I think let's start right at the beginning. We were the first people ever, other than our guest, Michael Cardo, who was, he's a DAMP. We were the first public, we were the first to publicly state that Road Must Fall are a bunch of fascist thugs. Yeah, and that this would all end very, very badly, long before it all ended very, very badly. For them. Yeah, and, and also for our universities. I mean, the truth be told is that uh, UCT is not particularly in a good place right now. Um, they, in terms of other measures, they've, they've fallen in rankings and things. Some people say that's got nothing to do with roads must fall and, and maybe it doesn't. Um, but certainly it'll be interesting to see what develops there over the next few years. Um, there's a lot of nervous tension with regards to what's going to happen this year on campuses, including UCT. 
across the country. We were the first to, to kind of call it out uh, because Mike called it out. I mean, he, he was well, yeah, very blunt well, at well, the he time. Well, he came on the show because he wrote an article in Politics Web about the, the, the fascist underpinnings of Rhodes Must Fall at the time, and which is all borne out by this postmodernist sociology that's being perpetually um, taught, you know, in sociology and whatever, in BA studies yeah. at, at UCT as well, I'm afraid to say. So, I mean, a, a good podcast to listen to, which we did, of course, was with the legendary Gadfather himself, Gad Sad. Yeah, the Gad the Gad Sad show was was great. Uh, we, we there were a number of topics discussed, but but he made some really interesting points around relevance in terms of a lot of the stuff you see getting published now. You know, there's there's a, a, an interesting account to follow. I'm not sure if you followed is is real peer review on Ooh, I on follow, I follow that one. Very real well. peer review on Twitter. Um, Real peer review essentially picks up uh, gender studies papers and these sort of diversity studies papers and all these sort of um, art, arts type of degrees that have been invented in in the last decade, and it picks up a lot of this stuff. And it, it's amazing what you can get a PhD for, you know, writing uh, your opinion of how Beauty and the Beast is a patriarchal, misogynistic uh, perpetuation um, story. And, and, and that kind of, and that gets you a PhD. Um, and they make fun of that. Um, and in a, in a way that's kind of disturbing because people are actually getting higher, very much higher degrees out of doing this kind of stuff. So Gad's, summarizes quite nicely um, the differences between where the sciences sit from an academic perspective and where the social sciences sit. If you start off with the premise that there are no innate biological differences between the sexes, other short of their genitalia, and everything else is socially constructed, is due to socialization, Mm. well, that is a profoundly, demonstrably false position. I mean, Biologists defined humans as being a sexually dimorphic species. I mean, that's the way we're defined as a species, right? Indeed. So, so if you start with that premise as your starting point, and then you're now going to build in your tree of knowledge, you're going to start with that root node and build from there. Mm. Then anything that starts after bullshit is bullshit, right? <laughs> and so that's that's the problem with these fields is that they're not. And, and actually, I'm I'm writing right now. I'm just revising. Uh, a paper uh, for a you know, one of the leading uh, journals in, in my field where I actually talk about these trees of knowledge and I basically refer to the notion that what makes physics, chemistry and biology uh, prestigious or more so than sociology and some of the other fields is not that because physicists are inherently smarter or more sophisticated than sociologists. It's because they operate, and I actually made this point uh, in my first book, uh, it's because they operate within trees of knowledge that are consilient. And consilient is a, is a beautiful term that very few people sort of know what it means, and it was reintroduced into the common lexicon by E.O. Wilson, the famous Harvard biologist, uh, it refers to unity of knowledge. So when you talk about consilience, mm. you could say that physics is more consilient as a discipline than sociology, yeah. precisely because, you know, chemists are not debating whether some believe in the periodic table and others are anti-periodic yeah. table. Right. Right? Yeah. But in the social sciences, the starting point could already send you to completely different parallel universes. Mm. That's the problem with the social sciences and certainly the humanities. Yeah, and that's uh, some interesting and interesting points uh, made by by Get. Once again, a great podcast to listen to. We we know we've got the sort of intellectual space that has been completely infiltrated by this cultural Marxism. Um, it's 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 an issue over over decades, and and it's resulted in problems not only in South Africa, but we've seen obviously across the world. America is a, is a good example. Their campuses are on fire. Even recently, um, we've got. What was it about a month ago? Those Berkeley protests that was over Milo. Um, yeah, and someone actually got like got shot, and they set fire to to something or other. Yeah, and then just just this past weekend, there was a a, a counter sort of rally for Trump, um, which I, I don't know what they were expecting the the outcome of that to be, but there was a counter rally for Trump, and there was violence that broke out between both sides. Um, I saw some old man got pepper sprayed for wearing a Trump hat, apparently. Um, but then there was also some idiot from 
the pro sort of Trump side with like a stick trying to hit people. It was like, well, retarded and also stupid because it's violence. Um, yeah, I mean, but this is perpetuated by by the by the teaching of of these ideologies on campus, and I think it will it will carry on. I think they took a massive blow last year with with the rise of Trump and the alt right. Though the alt right are they really are a reaction to the the wacky left in a way. I don't see. I don't see. Yeah, it's that horseshoe that Gareth described on the show we did with him. Right, right. And I don't see. I don't see vindication in any of those groups for myself, at least. I think they sort of deserve each other hmm. in a way. One makes memes. The other one hits people with sticks. Like it's great. It's marriage made in heaven for for the for the massive massive extreme center, which happens to be like sixty seventy percent of people in the world. Or in America, at least, or even in South Africa, I would argue. Yeah, I, I think I think. Well, we've said it so many times before. People just want to get on with things. It's yeah. uh, it's even why we battle sometimes to add listeners to this show because, as uh, interesting as we are, of course, uh, and as much as people tune in for Ramon's sexy voice, um, he's nodding along. Uh, they are like, no, I just want to like, I don't know, tune in to like some DJ playing some random tunes and just drive along in my car. So people generally just want to get on with things and they, they, they aren't particularly extreme in their views in any which way. We, we showed that um, quite well when we looked at all the studies that have been done. You know, the race war of 2016 that we had to debunk. Oh, but that's, that was debunked beautifully. Well, the, there's been developments, of the, course. The ANC war room. Yes. 50 million raid paid to Shaka et al., and his ilk for spreading, I don't know, what were they spreading? Fake news, apparently. And it blew up all in their faces. And where, the hashtag, where is Shaka, must come back because he's just disappeared. He used to have a TV show. He was active on Twitter. Um, and now he's just poof, gone into the ether. He's reinventing himself as an ANC member in the Northwest province so that he can also join parliament. You know, because that's what you do. You just, um, once you disgrace yourself, you go away for a while, and then you come back as a as a member of parliament with with potentially a portfolio in government coming up. Oh no, I would I would think he would join. He would come back within about a year after Zimmer loses. Well, he, Zimmer will be out of the ANC presidency in 2017. Yeah, just controlling it from a back room somewhere. So maybe Shaka will come out in 2018. So I, I always was against Zimmer. Now the real ANC is coming back, and now yeah. I can come join. Yeah. I was always against yeah. him, against Zimmer, of course. He paid me a few million to I spread think that's going to be a rumors. narrative that they pick up, actually. Well, it's the very same thing where, where the woke Twitter likes to say that no white people supported apartheid, which is, which is true in a way and quite funny because after part of it, everyone's like, oh, I always, I always was against it. Whereas that's not true. Some, some, yeah. some were for it. That's very obvious. Some white people did support apartheid. Yeah, I mean, we had Steve Hoffmayer on and he made it quite clear that some of the things he quite bought into. So there's a person who in some respects supported right, it. Right. But that same thing will happen in whenever, 2019 or whenever Zoom is actually out, if ever he's yeah. out. And then you'll get these same people coming in. I, I always, I was always against Zuma. Uh, now the real ANC is coming back. We got the the proper people back in place. It was just a blip on the radar. Yeah, yeah bullshit. Yeah, this is the real. It'll be the real ANC. Yeah, of course. No, like New Coke, the ANC of Tambo and Sisulu <laughs> and all these other dead people. They wind up. Um, you know, every time they talk about the ANC, they never talk about the, the, the newer people in the ANC, you know, the ANC of Zuma. No one ever says that. <laughs> well, I, they do currently say it. They criticize it. You, I, you know, you've got morons like Patabile Lamini running around. Please. We, we do not, um, mock people with a disability. Alcoholism is extremely. I think moron is an actual medical term. Alcoholism is very destructive <laughs> to brain cells, drunken wit. Okay, uh, I, I can't disagree with that. It I is mean, destructive she sh- to brain cells. She should be seen as a as a patient, not as the criminal. Fucking you think you think we've got a full sort of DSM five in our government? It's just like, <laughs> you know, from the alcoholics to the sort of paranoid schizophrenics, um, because they also seem to think that everyone's out to get them. I mean, you know, white monopoly capital is coming. Yeah, which is being perpetuated by a, a PR firm in in London. Yeah, who's, who's being paid twenty four million rand by the Guptas to spread news Did, and information? Are they still paying that firm? Or Bell, I thought they they Bell, bailed Bell Pottinger, as far as I'm aware. 
um, to spread wider monopoly capital, you know, the narrative around. And you got the Jimmy Manji, uh, you can't call him Jimmy anymore. Eh? What's his name? Zwanele. Zwanele. Zwanele Manji. Uh, mm. anyway. Call him Jimmy because it irritates him, I'm sure. And, yeah. And, and, and that's cool. But talk about politics. Oh, something happened. Talk about politics. I mean, last year, people keep moaning about the left and the right mm. and things like that, or we prefer the conservatives and the liberals because it's actually data to support what each means. I mean, we had the great Jordan Peterson on. Yeah, so uh, the Jordan Peterson podcast was was superb, uh, if I say so myself. And it wasn't really us, it was him. He was. He oh, because we let him speak, right? Because we had him before. So we didn't do what Sam Harris did. So we, yeah, so there are de facto better than Sam. Oh, by far. <laughs> I'm way better than Sam. <laughs> In, in many, many ways. And, but what he did, he managed to, to show using psychological evidence of Jonathan Haidt's work, at least the difference between liberals and conservatives, especially the concept of borders. Yeah. Let's, let's give a, give that a listen. So liberal people tend to be high in a trait called openness, which is a creativity dimension, but low in a trait called conscientiousness, which is basically industriousness and orderliness. Um, particularly it's the orderliness part of conscientiousness that's the best predictor. Whereas conservatives tend to be high in conscientiousness, particularly orderliness, and low in openness. And that divide isn't going away. It's, it's, it's built into the human landscape. And partly what politics does, and this is really new understanding, I would say, and it's really only become clear in the last, to the degree it is even clear, in the last 15 years, partly because of the work of people like Jonathan Haidt, who's been in investigating the really the biological underpinnings of political and moral belief. And we've done a fair bit of work in that regard in my lab as well. So you can't just make half the population's take on the world illegal. That isn't going to work. And, and here's something to think about. I think this is very important. So... I mentioned that the primary political axis seems to be openness and conscientiousness. And those traits aren't very highly correlated. They, they vary independently. And so if you're high in one, that does not predict you being high in the other. In fact, quite the opposite in, 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 those, in the case of those two. So the question is, why in the world does the political spectrum run along the axis of creativity and orderliness, essentially? And I figured it out, I think. And it's really a, it's really something to know. I believe that the primary political question, and perhaps it's always been this question, is borders. And the liberals and the left say, lean towards open border policies and the conservatives lean toward closed border policies. But it's not just political borders. That's the thing. It's the idea of borders per se. And so, you know, there there are things in different categories have borders between them. People's identities have borders between them. Concepts have borders between them. And the conservatives like to have the categories tightly encapsulated mm. and fortified and separate. Because orderly people, for example, are disgust sensitive. It's, it's part of what grounds their orderliness. It's really useful to know. So, for example... My reading has been that Hitler was incredibly disgust-sensitive, and that's actually why he embarked on this racial cleansing program. I mean, he was obsessed with hygiene, and he modeled the Aryan race as a body that was under attack by pathogens. And that's grounded in disgust, not fear. It's a completely different thing, and it, it's really new idea, you know, and that again, partly that, that stems out of Jonathan Haidt's work. But anyways... Mm. Um, so the liberals want open borders. They want information and goods and people to flow freely between categories. They like to mess with categories because they're creative and because they're not high in orderliness, they don't care about the mess that causes. Whereas conservatives, they're worried about information flow and the flow of goods and the flow of people. And it's partly because it, because they're more, their, their concerns about hygiene and purity are elevated. And the problem with all this is like, there's no right answer, eh? Yeah. So that and many other sort of pearls that were extruded on that podcast. Yeah. And I think he, I think he was the defining 
liberal in the classical sense of of 2016. He saw a problem uh, about words or the use of words, and he and he managed to to condense history, psychology, philosophy, religion into explaining why he's against this. It's not just a case of the words themselves, it's about what 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 it means to be forced to say words, or what it means to enforce lying. Yeah, things like that. Although, unfortunately, he seems to be losing the battle. So I think he's winning the battle in the sense that he's he's garnered quite a large following. And once again, that middle we speak of uh, are fully behind him, I think, those who are invested in what's going on politically. But it seems as if a lot of the stuff is still going through the parliament um, or their, their sort of legislatures. Yeah, it's going in, through le- I mean, but these, these things don't... I mean, and this is mass demonstrations. Most people don't actually care. Most people don't care that there are 72 genders. Most people don't care that someone would prefer to call well, them. There aren't 72 genders. No, Let's whatever. Just put that out yeah, there. Right. There's, there's two. Three intersex is gender, isn't it? Yeah, all right. I'll let it slide. Let me that. slide. Most people don't care, right? Because they, they don't know any transgender people, which is not surprising because they are not 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 three percent or whatever mm. it is of the population. Mm. So, and they usually want to be left alone, right? Well, most people, yes. So, so Jordan picks on on the idea at hand, and for him, it's extremely important, and for us, it's sort of important too, especially when you actually listen to what he says. But for ordinary people, and we keep using the term ordinary as if that means anything, which it doesn't. No one's really mm. ordinary. You either normal people. There's only, there's only two <laughs> types of people: us and wankers, right? So. But nevertheless, the ordinary working person doesn't give a shit about about that. Yeah, sort of and, and and yeah, it's just this this this. I think the concept. I think it it becomes very worrying when when the government starts to police uh, words, and and we've discussed the dangers of this sort of authoritarian rule. And once again, it's that horseshoe because you've got uh, the the left going. No, no, you must be made to say. Uh, zur as a as a as a pronoun, uh, and the right wanting to. If you look at sort of things that have been pointed to about Donald Trump being authoritarian, the left goes nuts about the one, but not about the other. The right goes nuts about the one, but not about the other. And it's almost like people don't have principles anymore. Jonathan, who, what what is this nonsense? <laughs> yeah. No principles. So that's been a big. Um, a big thing for me, I think, in the last year and in doing the show, I, I always say I learn a lot from our guests. I've learned a lot through oh, so this process. Do, so do I, yeah. Um, and I've managed to solidify a lot of my feelings and thoughts on things, and and but also change things. You, you know, that whole concept of get presented with a better argument. Uh, certainly, for example, on the drug war thing, I am uh, far further now um, in terms of uh, where I stand in feeling with regards to legalization, with regards to um, decriminalization, than I was a year ago and certainly than I was five or ten years ago. Sure. Um, and I think that that's very, very important uh, that people are able to do that. And I hope that, you know, listeners to the show have listened to some of the stuff and gone, sure, that's an interesting perspective. That's an interesting view. We had Ian Benson on, you know, and, and, and he was uh, touting for – yeah, he's, a, he's, a, well, he's a, well, for those who don't know, he's a, he's a Catholic legal scholar. Yeah. And he was talking about the virtues of uh, using virtues of, of uh, metaphysical virtues of, yeah. of philosophy and religion to, to try to understand what words and, mean, especially in the legal sense. And, and also the virtue of religion and, and what it, and the, the sort of foundation and structure that it's given society. Right. Uh, and he, he did give quite a compelling argument and, and even towards the end of the show, it wasn't meant to be discussed, but an interesting, differing view on the abortion debate. Right. Um, and I think that, you know, he didn't change my my uh, stance necessarily on that, but he made me a lot more thoughtful uh, with regards to that whole discussion. Right. I mean, I think, personally speaking, Jordan Peterson and, and someone like Professor Ian Benson, they've actually made it a bit, not cool, but it's, it's more acceptable to talk about religion now in a way that we haven't before. It always used to be so, a, bit, a bit binary. So you had the new atheists where religion was everything terrible and you're stupid mm, for believing it. Mm. And even they suffered in this stance. If you look at Sam Harris when he talks about Islam, he's not as – he doesn't you know, sweep everyone in one with one uh, paintbrush, so to speak. Mm. He is quite much more nuanced now than he used to be. Uh, Dawkins, I think, is a bit of a 
well, he's past his prime, really. <laughs> I, look, I still quite like Dawkins. I think, I think though that, like anyone, you know, it's, it's, I can see similarities between someone like Milo Yiannopoulos and Richard Dawkins in, and, and I'm not saying in terms of intellect because I think Richard Dawkins is, is a genius, but in terms of those people who say the most, um, uh, sort of far out things on a specific topic right. to push a reaction yeah. um, and make you pick a side. And, and look, if you're sort of a Dorkian um, or whatever they're called, and, and you know, when he had Hunter Martz on, Hunter sort of says that people worship at the altar of, of, of people like Richard Dawkins, Sam Harris, etc. And he, he's probably correct because what they're doing is if Richard, if you love Richard Dawkins and you, he says something and it's outrageous um, and you love him, you'll buy it. You'll, you'll buy straight into it, into that almost radical version of, 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 of what he's proposing. Um, and whereas if you hate him, you'll be completely put off by it. I mean, Milo, that, you know, has been doing that all, I think he's done now, but he, that was his whole thing. And he even said he's a provocateur, you know, he's yes. trying to just provoke reaction. Yeah, and and uh, unfortunately, it seems like the <clears throat> excuse me, the, the Republicans actually took him down rather than the left. I mean, how useless are the left in taking someone like uh, Milo Yiannopoulos down in this regard? Yeah, but you need people on the. On they try to take him down. They try to take him down with the wrong way. They try to take him down with violence. They try to take him down with no deplatforming him. Yeah. Instead of taking him down by t- challenging bad ideas, so. And you could, we can argue uh, quite a lot about what took him down. And, you know, he was on a show, we, we've said it before, he was on a show where he mentions uh, stuff about pedophilia, essentially. I mean, uh, what is it? What's, uh, um, pe- pederastry. Peder- pederastry. Uh, basically, older men uh, uh, having relationships with, with, with boys, with young boys. And yeah. he, he, he did defend it. I, 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 I can't defend what he said on that show. I, I, I disagree with it. Um, but it's interesting. That's what took him down. Is is he had a bad idea, and they took his bad idea and said, "These are your beliefs or your ideas." Then they strawman the shit out of him. Right? <laughs> okay, so they did. They did strawman. That was another great show. Actually, was um, the show we did with uh, philosopher uh, J- Jason Werbelof. Jason Werbelof. That's it. Um, and we we spoke about steel manning. We spoke about philosophical concepts. Well, we spoke about the use of logic in everyday, everyday yeah. debates, right? So it's about trying to be as charitable as possible with your opponent's arguments. And also, yeah, well, that's what steel manning is in a way. And I don't know if we've done that, if I'm honest. We, I think we're getting better. Mm, it, 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 it's a difficult thing to do. It's a, I think, I, I think it's, it, it takes a lot of, a lot of thought. I, you know, and I think the people who are the most, even the people who are most considered in their dialogue and their discussion, you know, that Sam Harris, Jordan Peterson podcast where they could not come to sort of an agreement on stuff was a great example of someone like Sam Harris, who I think to be a very considered thinker. Uh, certainly, you know, when you listen to him speak, it's almost as if every word is edited as it's coming out of his mouth uh, or out of his brain. Um, yes. And and even he was unable to steal man his opponent. He was unable to be charitable and generous about what Jordan was saying. Yeah, well, I think, I think Sam Harris has a serious ego um, issue on this. He's incapable of being wrong. Mm. Or being perceived as wrong, so he will stretch out an argument for as long as possible, to a degree where it's not even fun for for the audience. Um, whereas, in, for for example, for that one, they were talking about the the, the concept of truth, and yeah. they had different opinions on what the concept of truth is. And Sam Harris was absolutely stunned that a religious guy like Jordan Peterson has a different conception of truth than an atheist like uh, Sam. Himself, yeah. Right. And instead of just saying, "Okay, Jordan, let's just call," I'll just call my truth fact and you can your call your truth a higher truth and a cool let's get on he refused to do that he just kept banging on about what truth is for two hours and it absolutely failed as a podcast uh so yeah even apparently great intellectuals like sam harris failed to do it not that i think i'm sam harris i'm more intelligent because because <laughs> i because I, I, I do things feelings matter uh, a lot more than than we think rationalism doesn't answer everything you think, yeah, yeah. So you you're not a big fan of rationalism. Well, I don't know if it exists as, as a concept. 
Mm. What does it mean? Because um, everyone is different in, in what they would view as rational. Well, no, no, no. I mean, if you look at the work of Jonathan Haidt, as we, we he have, says we're not rational we have, beings. Well, rationalism never existed, ever. Um, it was it was a flawed economic model. The was a Homo economicus, the rational human, right? So mm. the more freedom we have, we'll use the resources for our rational selfishness. And if you look at the research, it shows that we are far more intuitive than rational. We have a gut feeling about something, and then we try to justify it. And that is borne out through through uh, genetics and our environment growing up. So people can be born liberals, of course, but growing up in an environment of liberals will make you a liberal. You're not going to become a conservative. Just You have to actually work hard to be a conservative. Mm. So... People hold very irrational positions all the time, and we may do as well. So, yeah, I don't think rationalism is actually a thing. Yeah, I, I, look, I'm, I'm a, I, I don't fully agree with, with hate on, on that particular point because I think that there's a middle where you – there are some things that are intuitive and uh, they're – their sort of base instinct almost. And it doesn't matter what you feed into the system. Um, your decision is first informed by, as he says, you know, this intuition. Um, now I think there are in some areas where you, you may be informed by being rational. So if you know nothing about a certain thing and it's not, it's not a particularly life or death type of scenario or decision making process you may be rational about your your input to that um and i also think that rationality can can sort of come and go on certain topics so i think that right now if you held an election in america um people would not vote rationally at all uh, i think if the same election, you know, when Bill Clinton was elected or, or in, perhaps in 20 years time when they've gotten over electing celebrities to be their presidents, um, people, and people aren't just like, I'm a liberal, so I'm voting Democrat or I'm, I'm a Republican. So, you know, I'm, I'm voting, um, you know, I'm a conservative. I'm voting Republican. It, when, when, when there, there's less driving forces to be intuitive, um, then you're able to accept some outside um, data and information instead of just immediately going to that gut feel. Well, I mean, if rationality existed, we wouldn't be voters. <laughs> ah, yes, here we are. Back to this. No, no, no. no, no. <laughs> if you take voting on, on its own accord as a single voter, it's irrational to vote because it doesn't mean – Yeah. Um, statistically, it means nothing, and um, and that's about it. So why do people still vote? It doesn't mean anything statistically. Yes, as a single, uh, well, Jason actually discussed this on his yep. show. Uh, as a as a single voter, doesn't mean anything. But you know, as a voter myself, um, I know that my and single, you call yourself rational. <laughs> I I know that uh, alone it means nothing. But I also know that there's going to be a fair percentage of people going and casting their votes, and together, it does mean something. So, so if the delusion is shared, it's far yeah, better. Sure, sure. Than Someone is not, not under any illusion whatsoever. Sure, it's not necessarily a delusion if you're all doing it and all following a system. This is the whole thing about the system. Says one is anti-religious. That's a shared delusion based on your account. So yeah, only so, some delusions are, are, are worthy of pursuing, not others. Well, I go to vote. I cast a vote. Um, they count actual votes. They tell me how many were voted for one guy and how many voted for another guy, and then they make one guy in charge. So... Yes, it's how's something it work, that I how's can it working see. out for you? <laughs> in South Africa, um, yeah, it's a bit of a middle road at the moment. In right. terms of, interestingly, in fact, we had that last year. We had a couple of shows discussing what would happen with elections. Right, um, and, and I mean, I think, well, that, that election was also a black swan, to be honest. I mean, we were actually quite surprised that they managed to win all the metropolitan areas, the DA specifically. Yeah, all the ones that they sort of had a chance of getting, they got. Uh, it, even though Joburg is a, is a coalition, uh, very much a coalition. Also so says Pretoria. Yeah, yeah, although Pretoria is close. Yeah, well, whichever. It doesn't yeah. really matter. So that was another Black Swan moment. I mean, we had, I, I, I can't remember, I think a third or fourth show, we had Franz Crenier, 
of the Institute of Race Relations. And what's interesting about him, he's a scenario planner, not a forecaster. And in the show, he it's makes quite specific yeah, about what the difference and he, is, and he does he does state what the difference is. But in, I mean, I, I just put together well, not didn't put together. I just spliced a little clip from where he says what his personal, well, maybe not his personal, but what the prediction of the IRR is. Yeah, so let's listen to that. Yeah. Uh, so I think so that's the likelihood. They're not going to meet popular expectations. I think they're going to essentially lose an election within the next decade. And I think that's going to give rise to a very peculiar series of bedfellows in the, poli- in the coalition government. That's the 75% likelihood as we sit here today. 25% likelihood is that the reformist wing of the party coming out of its hardline left, not the right, they'll win the support of the right later, is going to pull off a remarkable turnaround in South Africa. It's going to be a, a 5% growth economy with rapidly falling unemployment by the end of the decade. The mistake you make is to write off the minority scenario because it sounds too incredulous, and you miss significant opportunities uh, for, for South Africa if you do that. Um, okay. Although on, on, on current trends... Um, the the more rocky road scenario beckons, unfortunately. Yeah, but but here they wax warning on why current trends are so dangerous, because when they break fundamentally, countries move into different paradigms. And there's if, just just try and put yourself in the position of of the ANC NEC at the moment. What what must a meeting be like? You can't fill a stadium. Even even the Democratic Alliance is trying to fill stadiums. I mean, when did sort of liberal sort of society start filling stadiums? I mean, how far how, how have you lost uh, control of the country? The EFF packs out stadiums. You don't have the money to implement your grandiose socialist schemes of national health insurance and free education and building new universities and all sorts of other things. The 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 comrades are looting the fiscus. Don't actually have the capex projects anymore to do that in to do that with. Your opinion polls have turned against you. It's um, my great friend Darvi Ruet has a wonderful quote about Hemingway, who writes about the man who goes bankrupt. And uh, people say to him, "How did that happen?" And the man says, "Well, first slowly and then very fast." And political parties <laughs> lose control in the same way. And the ANC is now in the very fast. The great stories about senior ANC leaders arriving to go on the campaign trail and the police say to them, you, if you go into this neighborhood, we suggest you campaign from inside the Inyala because we, we think the people will tear you to pieces if you walk in the streets. Right. So, I mean, we'll see whether his forecast comes comes true. It'll be interesting to see if someone who's like hardcore left in the ANC comes out as hardcore right. Uh, on economic principles Yeah and it, I mean it doesn't look like it at all You've been a big proponent of uh, the worst thing to happen to us Is Previn um, I'm not in complete disagreement Although uh, I don't think That the, the problem is Is that people are protecting Previn Gordon To try and uh, Stop the Alternative uh, So I think if it was just If we just had a normal That's a very Odd term. If we had an Africa, if, a if we had a, if we had not a normal democracy, I was going to say normal functioning government. But if we just had a government whereby we looked at the people and we said, "All right, is this guy doing a good job? No, yes, whatever." Uh, then most people, I think, would say Previn has done quite a terrible job. In fact, uh, he's in the last uh, uh, sort of eight years, I think it is. He's he's doubled our deficit. Yes, there are other factors to that, but he really he's a communist. Uh, there, there's no other way to put it. Uh, we had that show with with um, with uh, Russ, uh, who who made that quite clear. The problem we have is it's if Pravin goes, then ostensibly we're going to get Brian Mulefi. Yeah, he's more of a capitalist, so I approve of him. Well, he's more of a capitalist who it would seem will end up siphoning even more money off to the Guptas. So that's not that's just cronyism. That's hap- yeah, because I mean that's really the most important issue here. No, the most important issue is the state capture of the commies, man. The commies, there's too many commies in power. Thankfully, they're sort of angry because India monopoly capital is taking over. I would have to say that. India monopoly capital. Yeah. I think Gupta monopoly capital would be the more politically correct term. But screw it, we're not politically well, correct. Well, I mean, listen, the Rupert and Oppenheimer are, are two, two people. Two white people, but, but, but they represent white. every white person. Yeah. 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 By well, the way, 
They funded my roles. Did they not fund yours? But are you going to their farm this weekend or the next one? I'm going to the Oppenheimers this weekend. Are you going to the Rupert's? Yeah, I have to go to the Rupert's then. Oh. I mean, there is enough space in the 47-bedroom I mean, palace. There's a lottery, palace. right? For every white person in South Africa, it's a lottery. Yeah, but I got why are you weekend. telling the secret white stuff on, on the podcast? It's a I secret mean, handshake and everything. I mean, seriously, Ramon, you can't like... We've kept the privilege inside you for so long, and now you're just like letting it out. Maybe. No one listens to us anyway. <laughs> We're just some rabid racist on the on the internet talking nonsense. I'm um, talking about uh, censorship. Um, hate speech bill. Oof. How's that for a fuck up? Yeah, so that's something that's that's come up. We we actually we probably should uh, at some point have maybe Martin van Staden back on. No way. Uh, well, yes, Martin will be. No good. way. No, not no way. <laughs> yeah, that Martin. You no way you're coming back on the show. No, Mark Oppenheimer. I think it would be. Well, both of them. Fuck it. Why yeah, not? This yeah. is a free show. We don't need this bullshit of one at a time. There's no gatekeepers here. <laughs> they can they can fart it out in the waiting area and yeah. whoever survives um, can come. So, on the, show. so the hate speech bill is probably the most pernicious and disgusting piece of. The Legislation I've ever seen uh, post ninety four. Okay, maybe not the most, but it's definitely it's definitely on track to totalitarianism. Yeah, that state information bill, and then the you know the protection of state information, and then and then this I think are the two. That makes far more sense than hate worst. speech bill. This hate speech bill is like is like just pure propaganda. Basically, if you if you call a politician corrupt, well, everything we've done on the show for the last what. 40 minutes uh, would be illegal. We would both be going to prison for several um, uh, well, terms. It's three years. Over. It's three years. And then if you find guilty again, I think it's 10 years. Well, we'd just be put away forever. Right. And then I'll go on a hunger strike. Because you did call a minister potentially alcoholic. She's not fucking potential. She is a fucking alcoholic. <laughs> I tried to give it's you an It's not potential. I tried. It's not potential. There's a great tweet that says, any grants but to be little mean he cares about. And it's a bottle of Grant's whiskey. You know, as a French Arab, why are we speaking English? Um, why are you speaking the master's language, Ramon? I, I think we should be speaking French on this show. Because I'm undermining the white people from within by appropriating their culture. That's, that's true. That's how it works. I don't have an answer for that. Don't right, an as a Jew, you should be speaking... Whatever you speak, Yiddish. No, what? <laughs> it's true. Hebrew. Yeah, well, Yiddish is sort of a dead language. Lovely language, though. But um, well, yes, Israelis speak Hebrew. But uh, but yes, not not all Jews. Zionists. Not all. Hashtag not all Jews. Hashtag not all Jews. By the way, we did have Benji Shulman, who is an outright Zionist, on our show, and he says Israel's great. And what else? Yes, ISIS is around the corner from Israel. Yeah, he 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 held back a little bit. Actually, I thought. Uh, I thought he was very reasonable and very fair. Um, we did start getting followed after that show by a, a lot of um, people who get angry about T-shirts at Virgin Active. Um, a BDSMAH, yes, um, HPV, bondage, sadomasochism, and uh, leave the Palestinians alone organization. Um, so, but he was he was quite reasonable in saying that. Look, Israel is not perfect; doesn't do everything right; does make errors and mistakes. Um, you know, and there are problems. There are certainly problems there. Uh, that, that's a fundamental difference between the left and the right. I would argue. Um, was well, not my argument. I've heard it somewhere else. The left believes in perfectibility of humanity. The right does not. Yes, and there's also a. Um, there's also a, a, a better approach to finding problems internally and trying to resolve them, I, I think. Um, you, you, you've got a lot of we've, – we've had a lot on our show where, whereby – and look, we've tried to get people from both sides. Um, we make no bones about where our biases lie. Um, I think we're, we're pretty reasonable about that. Um, but – We've we've had issues getting people on. We blocked on Twitter by I don't know how many people yeah, are, for asking a question. Um, for, for asking, will you come on our show? Or, I'm or, actually sort of or, glad we're being blocked by social justice warriors because I don't think they will exist for much longer in, in the in the in the current form. I think well, they, this, I think they've this lost is, this a lot is what of I'm saying. They're not they're not introspective. So the problem is is that what I've seen with a lot of our guests, certainly who fall more to center or even right. And, and it's funny because I think 20 years ago, if you were far left, you're now pretty much right. Yeah. Um, but the, what I've seen by a lot of them is that they are self-critical and they, they will not tell you that their approach is necessarily perfect. They will tell you, yes, there are problems, but they believe this is the right way or this is the right thing to do. 
um, it's very difficult to get a similar thing from the left, although we did have um, – who was the gent on that we had a couple of weeks back? Um, oh. Byron McFadden. Yes, Byron. Sorry. Uh, sorry, Byron. Um, we, you know, Byron, Byron, I thought, was, was quite reasonable about it in, in being able to say, look, he, he buys into Marxism, but he does see that it can be perverted in his – in my opinion, it's always perverted, but in his opinion, he – It's a perversion. Um, in his opinion, it can be perverted, and yes, there are problems. So that's nice when and, – and that's how you find middle ground, I think. Right. I mean, you want to speak to the people who have a problem with the people with, who share the ideology. Like, I dislike libertarians, generally speaking, <laughs> and capitalists, right? That's but, why Martin can't come back. Why do you dislike libertarians? Oh, no, there's a massive blind spot, right? They don't, they don't, I, think they, I think they fail to understand that culture is a vitally important component of how people act. And the fact that you, if you just whittle away the states and give people ultimate freedom, yeah, that that's a panacea. So I think you know I've, I've I've probably got a lot of libertarian leanings, but I think open borders, for example, is is an area where you know true libertarians would say I am completely not libertarian at all. Can't call myself anything of the sort. Well, I'm for open, I'm for closed borders if that property if that border is privatized. Um, for for national, for I mean, I, I think there's a there's a not a duty, but there should be an obligation to help people when possible. And I think the lottery of life is if you both if you are born in a shitty area, I don't think you should be confounded to that area. Uh, so I mean, it's it's more a form of a metaphysical argument than a political or pragmatic one mm. for me. Okay, all right, well, yeah, that's just me. There you go, libertarians. So in your face, in your face, the anarchist uh, isn't sure about you. He isn't sure about. It. Don't worry, he's crazy. He's completely but, nuts. But I do think people. But back to my original point. But people who do question their own ideology are often the most interesting people to have around. Of course, um, we had Aragorn Elof, the, the the very strong anarcho commie, yeah, anarcho communist, who I felt refused to budge on on very yeah. important. Well, issues. as our, as one of our Twitter followers said, it was like trying to nail Jello to a wall. Um, right. It was very difficult. Um, and I, I mean, he's friends with me on Facebook, and I, I quite like him as a person. But it's very, he doesn't he doesn't see the blind spots within his own ideology. And in the last year, I think has for me has been seeing the blind spots in mine, hmm. in my ideology. So now I'm actually not a libertarian or a, any particular political. Well, you're still an anarchist. You still want everything to fall. Philosoph- no, but not in the sense that that. Which, I mean, only in the sense that it's holding us back. Mm. The, the state is holding yeah, us back. Yeah, the state and but, all the distortion. But, it, it so hold on. Us. I think we might have made a major breakthrough here. You know, what have we done? Over 50 hours of therapy sessions with Ramon. And, um, and because that's what the Renegade Report really is. Uh, and and um, so if the state really just left you the hell alone to get, with, get on with it, you would kind of be okay with that? Like... For me personally, yeah, yes, but because I'm I'm an enlightened person, I read a lot. I'm curious about the world. Other people are not curious about the world, and, they, and maybe the state, maybe I need the state to protect me from them. It's yeah. Well, I mean, that's I, I agree with that. Um, I, I agree with that, uh, uh, but I, I think that's quite a shift in in some respect. No, I mean, I've always been a pragmatic anarchist. <laughs> That's an interesting word. Some people hate the word pragmatic. Libertarians, they hate the word pragmatic. <laughs> so Martin Matsalin, who was our second or third guest, I think. Martin, you're getting a lot of airtime today. Yeah, you are getting a lot of airtime. Uh, so he joined the Free Market Foundation recently, and, and he had a post about uh, Herbert Mashaba not being a libertarian because he's not actually privatizing anything. Yeah, and, and I've repeatedly said to him, look, dude, the guy yeah. is yeah. sitting in a government that is basically a left-wing, socialist, borderline communist government. Like... To expect him overnight to sort of just free everything up and make it all libertarian. Well, he, but he doesn't have the mandate to privatize things, first and foremost. He's there to run a city. Mm. But it's also not pragmatically reasonable. Well, if he wants to last in his position, yeah. you give concessions for the first uh, f- for the first term. Mm. If you do well, you win possibly full uh, full power in five yeah. years' time. When he, and when he's... When he's mayor with with a majority in sure. council, then he can do his vanity projects. And, and I think, although they've gone the wrong way, but I think the DA has shown that in in the Cape. You, you know, they, they 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 did a little bit by a little bit, and and slowly as they became 
more powerful and, and, and more popular, I guess, um, as, as the party to vote for. Um, they've, they've implemented more and more of their policies, some of which are absolutely, well, ridiculous, uh, like the alcohol, um, Sort of ban. Okay, I'm, not, I'm not worried about the minutia, so to speak. But, but more importantly, the, the, the concept is, um, or my broader point is that ideology is good to some degree, but it won't solve many issues, especially if looking context. So if you say yes, privatize everything, cool. If Herman if Herman does do that, he'll be out tomorrow. Yeah, well, well, he won't even get there. I mean, you know, he came in and I think uh, the one example is – and the one that many people were upset about was he wanted to privatize uh, the uh, waste people, um, pick it up. And he basically mentioned it in his first two weeks in office. Uh, He hadn't actually done anything yet. He mentioned the possibility and everyone went nuts. And I think – he had to quickly realize that, unfortunately, as you say, if he wants to stay in his position, there's a way. And I've always said it, you know, it's about de-escalation. So, yes, I, I, I do think that the state is too big and they have too much power, but I'm also realistic in that it's not going to disappear overnight unless, as you mentioned at the beginning of the show, 17 million people say this government hasn't given us um, our Basically, food, money to buy food for the month. We're done with them, and and we get an overthrow, some some sort of coup. Is that a bad thing? No, it is. And yeah, I, it, it, every violent revolution is a bad. Thing. So, 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 well, yeah. So, we would argue that all violence is bad. Let's assume there's no violence. No one dies, right? Let's assume there's no violence. Not even a politician. Not even Can a you politician. You call yourself a revolutionary if you don't kill a politician. <laughs> Um, it's not normally the politicians that that suffer the worst. It's 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 usually just civilians. But um, I th- I think you know the, the that for that to happen would it be bad even if there was no violence? Well, probably in the short term. In the long term, maybe not. I I don't know. It's 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 an interesting thought experiment. I don't know what I don't know. I, I I'm not sure. I think I think it it would be. Very interesting in a country that has had no major political change in 22 years and has – Some would argue 60 years. Fair enough. Fair, fair, you know, well, we had one – you could – I mean, I can't, don't think you can argue that 94 wasn't a big change. But no, it, it was it, – it, it, but it, it certainly – in ideology, it wasn't the biggest change. Let's just say the policies have carried on. Exactly. I mean, we know this. They haven't even re, – they haven't even replaced most of the apartheid laws. They still – you know, the one government just took over from the other government and yes. carried on with it. Um, so, yeah, I think I think – we are due for something. I, a lot of people would probably hope for An upgrade. A, a, a democratic change, but at some point something's going to give. And I think, you know, if you push uh, the poor and, and Moletti and Becky spoke about it, you know, that 11 million people who yeah. are, uh, you, you know, the data we have is actually we've got a burgeoning uh, middle class um, they are growing. Uh, certainly, the black middle class is growing quite rapidly. Um, the uh, monopoly capital is still there. Still, are a lot of wealthy white people, but the number of black people with wealth is now equaling or eclipsing that. Yep. Um, certainly, in the public sector, it, it, black uh, capital eclipses white capital, so to speak. Well, and in the private um, sector, I think it was equaling if, if, at the time when uh, we chatted. The black him. middle class is bigger than the white middle class. Yeah, it, it, and the upper class though is, is still is about just about equal, I think, or, or the white middle class is still a little uh, white upper class is still slightly bigger. But the point is, is that it's an interesting dynamic because we've got the split, and and what he pointed to was that 11 million people. Those are the people, kind of, you could argue, are left behind. Right, and and those are placated with 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 um, with uh, grants and, and shit mm. like that, and and no one actually respects them. I would argue they they use as as, as pawns for the ANC when it needs them, and used by the DA in Parliament when it needs them, but no one's actually saying why are these people still poor. But then again, those people add twenty percent to the average electoral vote of the ANC. Mm. So maybe fuck them then. Who knows? Twenty twenty percent. I don't know more because you know not that many people actually vote, as you repeatedly pointed right. out. Right, <laughs> but I mean sooner or later we have to hold the average anti-voter as as accomplices to what's happening. 
uh, no, very, it's starting to come out. Tim Modise, who's quite a well-known broadcaster, mm. has a tweet about George Bernard Shaw. And if you, if you keep quiet and if you actually vote for someone who does yeah, absolutely you bad, you're, you're, an, you're an accomplice. Mm. So it's starting to, to come out that, you know, the ANC is not acting because it's acting. It was, that is a mandate. And was voted in by a popular vote. We're never going to hold those voters accountable for what's happening. Well, they might uh, end up holding themselves accountable inadvertently. Um, we don't have too much more time. We don't want to chew your ear off too much. But you wanted to just talk about objectivity and subjectivity. I think uh, it was, it was well, something. Yes, well, it's, to... it's more of a mindset of the world. So we had Ali Shakur on uh, last week. Yes, the Hotep. The Hotep movement, right? And, and he spoke about the perception of, of how you see yourself within the world. And you see problems through a subjective lens or an objective lens. So, and he just gave an example, you know, of someone who was angry at something. Yeah, let's give that a listen. Well, we look at things objectively and they look at things subjectively. That's the bottom line. If you, if you ask me what I think of all this mess, I think it, I'd say it'd be inevitable. You, you take, um, a sample from a random pond and throw it in a petri dish and, and watch that thing change over time, you're going to see things devour each other. You're going to see things help nourish each other, right? Yeah. We're just organisms in a petri dish, us humans. So there's going to be conflict. The question is, when does the consciousness rise high, high enough so that we don't act like puny organisms? You see what I'm saying? So yeah. my thing is, if, if, if you're in the know and you call yourself conscious or so-called woke, you would you would start looking at things objectively, right? And say, well, if I know all of this, well, here's the here's my biggest gripe with these people on the left. They say we have black girl magic, we have melanin power, melanin, 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 and 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 all this, you know, <laughs> he was Kangs, and it's like, so if you're so great, why are you complaining? If you're so great, why do you allow the people you call racist to control the territory you live in? It is fully within your capabilities to remove them. And I don't mean to do this violently. If you are so great, you'd be able to tactfully and politically remove them from your region. But you can't. Why? Because you're distracted by the nonsense that happens in the media that enrages you. So instead of you building up your community on Saturdays, guess what you're doing? You're marching in the streets, wasting time, dirtying up somebody else's community. Not only that, you're bringing economic uh, profitability to these regions when you show up by the thousands. And these shops that you shop at, they're not black owned. So you're just giving money back to somebody else and not your community. It is recycled trash over and over again. Yeah, and that was, uh, I think, one of the most sort of outspoken uh, guests we've had on the show. Yeah, someone with no real filter on, uh, which which is which is required. I mean, as always, I agree with most of what he says. Um, I do apply the principle he espouses for the black community. I can espouse them for for everyone, you know, in the world yeah. about, about self determination and self enrichment yeah. and controlling your mindset and things like that. I think those are all very good principles to follow. Anyway. Yeah, good principles. I, I didn't buy into the collective argument that he was proposing, but but that's okay. I don't have to. Um, so, look, it's been a great year. We've had some great shows, and we've we really have as much as we uh, are very proud and and loud about our our place uh, as a podcast. Uh, we're surprised. I think I am certainly. By oh, so now you're surprised. <laughs> uh, play back the podcast from the beginning. Are you not surprised? So, so certainly I think, I think I'm surprised by the level of, of engagement we've received, uh, and the success that we, that we've, we've had this far. We want to obviously continue going with that. But we want to exceed that as well. Yeah. So, so look, uh, if you listen to the first shows, you'll hear we are a lot better at using these microphones now, I think, than we were in the beginning. Um, I make a lot less screw ups on this, uh, soundboard than I used to. We really would like uh, your input on the show. So if the things you don't like, we, it's great when you tell us the things you do like, but uh, it's nice to hear when you don't like things too, so we can try and correct them. Um, or we can also give some thought to the opinion and comment we're giving or the guests we're getting. We want you to recommend guests that you'd like on the show. Please, not someone who was on Ruben Report last week. 
Um, obviously, guys, it is very difficult to get a lot of these international guests. If they were on Ruben last week, the chances are zero. Right, and but don't forget, Ruben has a team of like ten or fifteen people, right, who do the research, who book the guest. We just too like, yeah, business doing well, this in our part. I run my own business. Jonathan is a doctor. I mean, we doing this for free in our spare time. Yeah. So, yeah, getting yeah doing the work of of quite a few people. Yeah, and, and we like it. Don't get us wrong, but. Mm. It doesn't come that easily just to get whoever we want when we want. Yeah, so this brings me to another point. If you like the show, so so far you've downloaded a year worth of shows for free, and that will not change. Uh, the show will always be free. Uh, however, it would be great if you would be interested in funding the show. If you if you own a business, if you want to sponsor at some point, um, Cliff Central has some great packages and things. Uh, we. We say this because it will allow us to do certain things and expand a right. little bit. Um, obviously, you know, you can do some cool things with money. Um, right. And it's just a question of, for example, if we, if we have a guest in, in, in Cape Town, instead of just doing a Skype session, we can actually yeah. just fly him up yeah. for a day uh, and, and, and speak to them in person, for example. Yeah. Sooner or later, we want to expand a bit more than a podcast, maybe have a, a Renegade Report gathering of sorts, invite yeah. a few guests on, uh, have a venue, have an open open speaker policy, sure. uh, deplatform SJWs, uh, <laughs> not really, but maybe have some sort of, of, of not a conference, because that sounds terrible, but like talks. Yeah, get, with, get together yeah, and, and, and... Open to the public. And, and uh, obviously we'd like to do that, but as Ramon says, two guys on our own kind of producing the show. So if you want to get involved at any level, let us know. You can always contact us. Our email address for the show is renegadereportmailbox at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at renegade underscore reports on Facebook. You want to tart the Facebook group a little bit? Right. So we have a discussion group on Facebook, um, which, which well, anyone can join. It's a private group, so everyone's vetted before coming in, of course. Unfortunately, we had to block one person. Um, and we just talk about ideas and 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 topics and guests on the show but um so so join us so that link we will we link that quite often on twitter and on our facebook page too but nevertheless i mean back to the the, the funding scenario so if you if you are keen to fund us you can fund us for one show you can fund us for a month's worth of shows we're very flexible paypal us dollars not zimbabwean <laughs> dollars unfortunately all right all right maybe not even rands um but so the show will always carry on, but we have other ideas. We just don't have the time or capacity or funding or anything to go with them. So if you like us, pop us a mail. Let's do something together. Yeah, that'll be great. If you just like listening to the show, that's all we actually care about. Cool. As long and as it, you it, enjoy what we hear. If you're just a listener to the show, then you can obviously rate us. If you're listening through iTunes, please rate us. We do appreciate that. It also uh, ups our rating uh, or puts us on people's screens in, in iTunes at least so that we get more listeners hopefully uh, you can always communicate with us on Twitter I'm sure by now you know the handles and we will catch you next time thanks so much for listening for the past year cliffcentral.com